In the year 1756, following the demise of Alwardi Khan, young Sirajuddaula became the Nawab of Bengal. Though he was chosen one by grandfather Alwardi, his claim to the throne was full of thorns. Leave the British, his rise to the command did not go down well with his own relatives. There was a dominant group in the Nawab's courtesans, Jagatseth, Rajballab, Rai Dullab, Rai Latif, etc., all opposed to Siraj's ascent to the throne. Though he could envisage the conspiracies and the conspirators, yet he fell prey to one of the biggest treacheries of human history. the treachery that would change the course of world history forever welcome to the revolution untold story of indian freedom struggle i am shushmita mazumdar your host and i am kaushik mazumdar your co-host amongst the major conspirators were ghasheti begum shaukat jang and mirzafar who were also relatives of nawab siraj ghasheti begum the eldest of the three daughters aliwardi had was married to naib nazi of dhaka nawazish muhammad naib naim of purnia saukat jang was the son of the second daughter of aliwardi khan and once the subedar of orissa and commander in chief mirzafar was husband of aliwardi's step sister After the death of the adopted son and husband Ghaseti Begum took Shaukat Jang's side for the claim of the throne in conjecture of the conspiracy against the nawab Siraj immediately took step against Ghaseti Begum not only he put her in confinement but took away all her treasure stored in Motijil palace once a bosom friend of nawazis and then an ally to Ghaseti Begum Raj Ballav got his son Krishna Ballav moved to Kolkata under the shelter of the British in Fort William with a huge amount from Dhaka treasury Siraj wrote to the then governor of Calcutta Roger Drake with a demand of handing Krishna Ballav over to him but Drake did not oblige to Nawab's demands in the meantime the British started fortification of the Kashimbaja trade center against Nawab's orders in response Siraj's army attacked the Kasim Bazaar center and paraded Watson the manager to Nawab's court eventually he got released by signing a covenant of following the Nawab's order anticipating the treachery Siraj removed Mirzafar and promoted Mohanlal to the post of commander the then banker Jagatseth Mahatab Chand having difference with Mohanlal built animosity with Nawab Sirajuddaula During May 1756 Siraj was preparing to eliminate his competitor Shaukat Jang. He marched his army to Rajmahal when the message reached that the company is preparing to further extend the fortification of existing Fort William. Immediately Siraj shifted his focus and marched towards Calcutta with his army. He attacked the East India Company's army stationed in Calcutta and claimed supremacy over them. After winning the battle Siraj renamed Calcutta as Alinagar in the memory of his grandfather late Nawab Aliwardi Khan and stationed commander Manikchand as the acting ruler After returning from Calcutta Siraj marched for Purnia In the battle of Nawabganj 
Shokat Jung finally met with his fate being beaten and killed by Nawab Sirajuddaula. Though with the battle of Nawab Ganj, Siraj overthrew his immediate competitor Shokat Jung, but he made a grave mistake of forgiving Mirzafar. Even after removing Mirzafar from his power, Nawab Sirajuddaula reinstated him as Sipahi Sallar, that is the chief of commanders under the false oath of Quran to be faithful to Siraj. The conflict between East India Company and the Nawab commenced from the very day of Siraj's ascent to the throne. Denying the existing tradition, representatives of East India Company intentionally chose not to appear for the coronation of Siraj. Being warned by late Nawab Aliwardi Khan, Siraj himself was not fond of East India Company because of their consistent attempt of intervention in the administration of Bengal. Things got further intensified because Siraj tried to strictly prohibit companies personnel from misusing Emperor Farukshar's Farman, which allowed the company and only the company, not his employees, to expand the trade tax-free. The militarization of Fort William without the permission and against the will of Nawab of Bengal. And finally, refusal of the company to hand over Krishna Ballav, son of Raj Ballav, even after Nawab's orders. In spite of intensifying of differences, Nawab Siraj attempted to reach a solution by dialogue. Accordingly, Nawab sent his representative Narayan Singha to the governor of Calcutta, Roger Drake. But Roger Drake refused to oblige to Nawab's invitation, rather harassed Narayan Singh and sent him back disrespectfully. Nawab Siraj had to react to this disobedience and in response he attacked Kasim Bazar Trade Center and Calcutta. Exactly this is where we feel incumbent to the fact that the British East India Company rather instigated the differences with Siraj and wanted to draw him to the battlefield. While Siraj Dola was unhappy with the company, the company got unsecured of Siraj's alliance with the French. East India Company officials suspected Siraj would limit their privilege. This further prompted them to seek for a new Nawab of Bengal who would admit to their demand and let them enjoy the perks to the extreme. With the conflict spreading, both internally and externally, it was just a matter of time before the conspirators would find a ground of agreement with the enemies and that is exactly what happened. Following the defeat during Nawab Sirajudola's first march, the East India Company's employees left Kolkata requested for English force from Madras. In response to the request, Captain Robert Clive and Admiral Watson led a troop of English soldiers to Calcutta. They won the Calcutta back almost without any resistance. It is believed that the British had bribed Manik Chand and he gave up the Nawab stand. As soon as Nawab Sirajuddaula got informed about the British army being sent from Madras, immediately advanced to reclaim Calcutta. On arrival of Nawab's army by the banks of Calcutta, the British army led by Clive welcomed them with a sudden attack. This sudden attack caught them at dismay. After the initial disarray, Nawab's army managed to gather back and drove the British army back into the fort. But in anticipation of betrayal by his army, 
Chief Nawab Sirat chose to surrender and sign the disgraceful Treaty of Alinagar. What did the Treaty of Alinagar cause? Besides reinstating the rights reserved for East India Company, Nawab had to pay for the losses and agreed to provide protection for Calcutta. Also, the British regained the right to mint their own currency and use for trade in Bengal. With the recently found success, the invigorated British could see a window of opportunity. Following the success of two consecutive wins in Carnatic Wars with the reclamation of Calcutta, they knew this was the high time to drive the French away from Bengal. Under the able leadership of Robert Clive and Admiral Watson, they attacked and claimed the French-dominated Chandanagar. Siraj knew this would soon be followed by an attack on Mushidabad. Probably that was rather further reason for Siraj to extend shelter to the French, which led him to find an alliance with French captain Bushi. While Siraj was busy forming an alliance with the French, the company's representative at Nawab's court, William Watts, informed Clive about the weaving conspiracy by Nawab's courtesan, Mirzafar. Paymaster of the army, Rai Dullab, Yar Latuf Khan, and Omnichan to overthrow the ruler. Though the initial candidate to replace Nawab Sirajudola, chosen by the courtesans, was Yar Lutuf Khan, when approached Robert Clive, Mirzafar became the chosen one. Accordingly, a treaty was drawn between the British and Mirzafar to gain him the throne in return of infield support to the British army in battles and a large sum of money. On 23rd June 1757, led by Robert Clive, British Army reached Palashi Vahakatwa, en route to Mushidabad from Kolkata. British Army had to pass through Hooghly, Katwa Fort, etc., where Nawab's army was stationed. Yet, English Army reached Palashi without any obstacle. This made it evident to Siraj that his lieutenants were completely corrupted. Still, Nawab Sirajuddullah advanced towards the battlefield with his army under the direction of commanders Raidullah, Yal Lutuf Khan, Mirzafar, Mirmadun, Mohanlal, and French Lieutenant Sinfran. There is still a debate about the number of soldiers that advanced in the name of Nawab on that overcast day. The number often varies from 35,000 to 50,000 from one historian to another. But two things that everyone agrees upon are that the Nawab's army that took the field was much larger in number than the English, but the participants were rather meager in number. Raidullah, Yar Lutuf Khan neither participated in the war nor did they let the army under their command. Still, Mohanlal and Mir Madan fought bravely and cornered the British army. But destiny had some other plans. Suddenly, there was a torrential downpour. British army managed to protect their cannon and ammunition with tarpaulins. But the Nawab's army failed to do so. After the rain stopped, Nawab's cannons failed to fire. Anticipating the similar fate of the English cannons, Mir Madan advanced with full force. But the English fired their cannons. This not only took Mir Madan for surprise, also took away his life. With Mir Madan's death, the moral of the Nawab's dwelling army 
had hit the rock bottom. In the meantime, Mir Zafar took this opportunity and sent signals for Clive to advance while suggesting Siraj to retreat, regroup and come back the next day. Mohanlal urged Siraj to continue with the battle, but after Mir Zafar, Rai Dullab also urged Siraj to withdraw his army and retreat to Mushidabad. Being advised by his lieutenants, Siraj ordered the troops under Mohanlal to retreat and left the battlefield with 2,000 soldiers for Murshidabad. Robert Clive intensified the assault on Nawab's already dispersed army. Sirajuddullah had reached Murshidabad at midnight. Very next day, Siraj escaped northwards on a boat with his wife and faithful servant Golam Hussein. His intention was to escape to Patna with eight from French and fight back with the help of Ramnarayan's army and the French ally. Mirzafar, being announced as the new Nawab of Bengal, sent several parties at the earliest in pursuit of Siraj. On 2nd July, Siraj reached Rajmahal and took shelter in a deserted garden, but was soon discovered and betrayed by the local military governor. Siraj got arrested and brought to the capital, Mushidabad. In the supervision of Mirzafar's son, Miran, Siraj was executed by Muhammad Beg. It may sound rather superstitious, and we would not exclude the possibility of the emotional cloud around the historical narrative, but the fate met by the traitors of Palasi is often concluded as the karma or the justice of nature. Robert Clive, the British commander, the architect of British imperialism in India was later made governor of Bengal in 1765, only to be put on trial for the allegation of financial fraud in 1769. Though he was exonerated from all the charges, still he, as mentioned by the historians like William Dalrymple, remains an unstable sociopath because of the atrocious policies he engineered with the widespread poverty, death, and famines in Bengal. Eventually, in 1774, at the age of 49, Robert Clive committed suicide. It is believed in defense of glory, he lost his fortunes and the family. Miran, the eldest son of Mirzafar, in whose supervision Siraj was executed, also conspired the death of another conspirator, Khasaiti Begum by drowning her boat in Dhaleshwari River in Dhaka. He died of lightning on the army camp. If the death of the eldest son was not enough, in spite of being Nawab of Bengal, Mirzafar was made to be just a puppet by the East India Company personnel. Till date, his name is treated to be the synonym of treachery. Such Mirzafar died a painful death of Leprosy. Succeeding Mirzafar's first phase as of Nawabhud, his son-in-law Mir Qasim got another conspirator, Jagat Seth, executed in the charge of treason. Jagat Seth was tied, wrapped into a sack and thrown into the river from the Munger fort. Mir Qasim himself, after rising to the power, understood the grave mistake they made by trusting the British formed alliance with Nawab of Awadh 
and Mughal emperor to battle the British. In the face of loss, Mirkasim fled the battlefield. It is heard that in his final days, he was found begging in front of Jama Masjid in Delhi and died in such state only. Other conspirators, Umichand and Nandakumar, were punished by the British in allegation of treason. Yar Lutuf Khan was neither found nor ever heard of after the Battle of Palasi. It may be said, if not alive, the conspirators of Palashi were cursed to death. The statement could yet be blamed for being more of a grievance proclamation, overloaded with sentimental values. But definitely, we could not deny the curse of British plunder that came down on the general population of Bengal. Bengal was already facing a huge financial crisis since the days of Alwardi Khan. Following the consecutive attacks by Maratha and Afghans, further the systematic oppression of East India Company eventually led to the famine of Bengal in 1770, which reduced the population of Bengal by one-third. It often wonders us the least important aspect of the episode of Palasi is the battle, the battle that may not even qualify to be more than skirmish had such an implication which changed the world. In the wake of European Industrial Revolution, East India Company identified conquering Bengal would find them twofold gain of the trade and the control in excess of Bengal's revenue. We all must have heard a very common statement in one or the other expression that presently the governance and polity of the world is being controlled by the entrepreneurs or MNCs. Though East India Company was not a multinational company, but they were the first such business organization to earn the administrative rights and the sovereignty of a state, a nation. Such success not only got the English further confident to extend their colony to the furthest extent, but following the extensive authority enjoyed by the English in India, other European countries started building their colonies. Want to learn more about the untold story of Indian freedom struggle? Keep listening. We got a page for episode notes, resources and more. Visit us at www.ksproductionsusa.com. Subscribe to The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too, so send us an email. Our email address is therevolution at ksproductionsusa.com. The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Production in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shushmita Mazumdar from KS Productions and Shauni Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maiti, content developed by Dipanjan Maiti, Brotati Chakraborty and Kaushik Mazumdar. Sound, designed and original music composed by Satyajit Sen. Also used compositions by Kazi Nazrul Islam.
Probably those who took Clive's side in the Battle of Palasi were left short-sighted. They did not expect the British would rise to dominance even administratively. They tried to form an alliance with the rebellion zamindars of Bengal, kings and nawabs of different states and subas. Stay tuned for our next episode, Battle of Baksar. Music